Give me liberty or give me death. These are the immortal words of Patrick Henry. But the problem for most Americans is people aren't demanding their liberty. They're happy to get death, death of their freedom, death of what they believe that they own, death of their property, death of their rights, death of their constitution, because we've lost touch with the principles of the constitution. We've lost track about what it truly means. So that's what this week is all about. I'm going to spend the next five days covering the tenets of Michael Bednarik's book, Good to be King, the foundation of our constitutional freedom. I'm going to do that by summarizing some of the chapters in the books, sometimes with my words and other times with his words. I think that this is going to be five parts that you're not going to want to miss, and it's going to be something that you're going to come back to and share with other individuals. I hope that you enjoy it as much as I have enjoyed preparing it for you. So sit back, grab yourself a cup of coffee or whatever it is that you're into. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden here on the America Out Loud Network. America Emboldened. Greg, I feel emboldened. You don't know the founding fathers. You don't know what they did. You don't know what they sacrificed. We have lost touch with the principles in the Constitution. Nobody's read the Declaration of Independence. You are voting for socialism, and you got what you voted for. Welcome, bold Americans, the part one of my five-part series, Good to be King, the Foundation of Our Constitutional Freedom, from Michael Bednarik, summarizing this book so that you can live a life of liberty so that you can understand the Constitution, your rights, and what makes the difference between a right and a privilege, as well as that we live in a republic, not a democracy. Now, Michael Benark was famous for telling people that the majority of people had no idea what give me liberty or give me death really meant for them because they didn't understand how precious freedom really is because they did not travel to places where they did not have freedom. They did not live back in the 1600s and 1700s in a feudal system or underneath a monarchy. And as a result, they just have lived their life being distracted, watching NFL Sunday on all the screens that they can possibly watch, doing your fantasy baseball, fantasy hockey, fantasy football, turning on the television to watch your nightly news shows to find out what they feel you need to know, not what you actually should know, or watching the latest hot television show or Netflix streaming service. America has been asleep at the wheel. So Michael Benark wrote a book called Good to be King, the Foundation of Our Constitutional Freedom, which is where much of this content will come from. I hope that you will uh, purchase the book. Go to bednark.org. You can purchase Good to be King there or go to your favorite bookshop uh, because this is likely, I believe, uh, the most important book written on the topic in the history of our country since the framers wrote the Constitution. I'm not alone in feeling that way. This is such a brilliant book with stories to help you understand what little you actually know about your liberty and where it came from. 
See, what Michael said to me, and you heard it in the intro of the show, that you're voting for socialism and you got what you voted for. And we are. If you think about the candidates that are being elected right now in our country, we're having people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, AOC, as she's belovedly known by her uh, followers. We have Bernie Sanders, who is a renowned socialist. He believes in communist principles. Uh, we have individuals that are running at this point in time as socialist. They make no qualms about it. They're normally underneath the Democrat label, but even though they're a member of the Democrat Party, they're socialist. Just as you had people like um, Ron Paul, who was a Republican running under Republican ticket, but he was a libertarian. It's the same concept. Now, there's been words written by our framers and those that lived back in the 1700s, 1800s that we should probably heed. And one of those individuals is Daniel Webster. Now, Daniel Webster was an American lawyer who represented, uh, when he became a statesman, New Hampshire and Massachusetts in the U.S. Congress. He also served under the uh, 14th and 19th U.S. Secretary of State under William Henry Harrison, John Tyler, and Millard Fillmore. And he wrote this about what we understand about losing our liberties. He says, I apprehend no danger to our country from a foreign foe. Our destruction, should it come at all, will be from another quarter, from the inattention of the people to the concerns of their government, from their carelessness and negligence. I must confess that I do apprehend some danger. I fear that they may place too implicit a confidence in their public servants and fail properly to scrutinize their conduct that in this way they may be made the dupes of designing men and become the instruments of their own undoing. Make them intelligent and they will be vigilant. Give them the means of detecting the wrong and they will apply the remedy. So this five-part series, much like Michael Bednarik's work, is about allowing you to see where we have relied on government for far too long. We've relied on public servants that do not have our best interest. We've had lobbyists selling us out. We've had acts like the Patriot Act that have taken away our liberties and our personal freedoms in the name of safety, which means we deserve neither. And we now must start to apply a remedy to the wrongdoings. After the pandemic happened, we have people that are asking, how did we get to the point where we allowed the government to lock us down, to strip people of their jobs through unconstitutional mandates, which we now know that were unconstitutional. By the way, they're being ruled in the courts. And we had millions of people that lost their livelihoods and jobs. Why? Because we've trusted the public officials that were elected or were put into power by those that we elected in order to make decisions for us. We fell asleep at the wheel. We became fat and satisfied with our McDonald's and watching movies. Meanwhile, our country was being sold out. And as they were selling us out, they created a political divide of Republican and Democrat to keep us arguing over which side is doing what to them. So that way we could not understand that it was part of a uni party 
that cared more about enriching their own pockets than enriching and respecting the liberty of man. So now that you understand that you've been ignorant to the facts, let me tell you two things that Michael Benark pointed out that I did not know. The first part is, I'm going to ask you, when was the Declaration of Independence signed? Do you have your answer? Most Americans would likely say that it was signed on the 4th of July, 1776. We celebrate that as our birthday. However, that is the date that it was approved by Continental Congress. It would take another month before all the signatures made it on to the Declaration of Independence and that the copy would be completed that we now can see on display at the National Archive. And also, the 200 copies were made and distributed to the colonies, so we don't even know exactly which copy we have in the National Archive for those that think they're looking at the original document. Now, that wasn't the best part. This is the best part, and this is something that Michael Benark taught me. George Washington, what do you know about him? Most people would say George Washington was General George Washington. He helped lead our troops and then became the first president of the United States. However, if the Declaration of Independence was signed in 1776, and maybe that's a little bit in dispute, and George Washington did not begin his first term as president until 1789, shortly after the Constitution was ratified, then we have 13 years of our country where we did not have a president. There was no leader. Can you believe that? Well, no, you shouldn't, because actually we did have a president. We had a number of presidents before George Washington. We actually had Samuel Huntington as the very first president of the United States of America. And so Michael Benark would like to tell people that their ignorance is bliss, but it's still ignorance. And so if you did not know those two facts, chances are there's a lot that you might take for granted that you think you know about your constitution, that you think you know about your rights, that is just plain wrong. Thomas Jefferson, he wrote these words. We hold these truths to be self-evident. Now, when we say something like self-evident, Michael Bednarik would point out that we hold these truths to be obvious. But what is obvious nowadays? Is it obvious when a president is enriching his family for financial gain to all Americans or just 50% of Americans? Is it obvious that when a president has a son with major addiction issues that's receiving millions of dollars in contracts and there's connections to companies in the Ukraine and elsewhere, is it obvious that this is a truth or to just 50% of people. So I would say that I agree with Michael Bednark that not everything is obvious in what we believe to be true. And that will be including our constitution and the interpretation of the first amendment, freedom of speech, the second amendment, the ability to maintain arms. But I think that in what Thomas Jefferson was saying, he gave us way too much credit. 
that we would be able to get this right for a long period of time. Because as I stated, more people at this point in time have had their rights taken away in ways that they do not understand. But during this five-part series, I hope to be able to outline this. And again, it's through Michael Bednarik that this is even possible. We have branches of government, the legislative, executive, and judicial. They all have more power at this point in time than the Constitution permitted them to have. How did that happen? Well, we allowed it to. Why? Because we have the ability to overthrow our government. We have the ability to show up and say, this is not right. But no one is doing that. In over 200 plus years, it's unthinkable. They tell us, well, you couldn't fight against us. And I'm not calling for anybody to go take up arms right now. But I am saying by the end of what I'm doing over this five parts, you might start looking at your constitutional rights a little bit different. You might start saying, huh, I have a lot more privileges than I have rights. Do you remember the Patriot Act? When the Patriot Act passed, I remember having a conversation with my brother. And my brother said, well, I don't care if they make these laws. I'm not doing anything wrong. They can listen to all my conversations. It's not going to bother me. Well, that Patriot Act, it was meant to protect us from terrorism. As I said earlier, you know, those that cash in their freedom for security deserve neither, which was Benjamin Franklin. It's an unconstitutional act because the Fourth Amendment of the Constitution protected your privacy by telling the government that they had to get a search warrant that could only be issued if there was probable cause and only if it was supported by an oath or affirmation. And the Patriot Act, when that was written by Congress, guess what? The Fourth Amendment, they really just pulled down their pants and took a dump straight on it. That's exactly what happened. Because at that point in time, anyone could enter your home and collect information, take photographs, collect your computer's hard drive, and then leave undetected. And they never had to inform you about their visit, according to the Patriot Act, for 90 days. And that's only if you think that they're actually going to inform you at the end of those 90 days. Those searches were called sneak and peek. And they were completely unconstitutional then, and they still are. The Patriot Act is an aberration against your constitution. And that alone would be one reason why people should start fighting back against their government and saying, get rid of the Patriot Act and return us to our rights, to our freedoms, to our liberties. It also, when you get into the Patriot Act, government officials can now just label you a terrorist and put you on a no-fly list. You probably heard of stories before people go to the cop on a plane and they can't because they got put on the terrorism list. And the government doesn't let us know what policy really happens to put you on that list. All we know is individuals are not officially terrorists until they were convicted of those crimes in a lawful court, which means by being put on that list, they're violating your rights to due process. They're violating your rights, saying that you're guilty of something you're not guilty of the start. And so Michael Benark would point out that before we had the United States, before we had a declaration of independence, the way that people were ruled throughout the earth were from kings, emperors, dictators. They were 
monarchs that would wake up one morning and be like, I think everybody's door should be read from here on out. So I'm going to write a decree that everybody should have a red door in my town or else they can't live here. And therefore, everybody had to have a red door because they affixed it with their seal. And so it came to be. Now, our forefathers, as you want to call them, framers, mothers and fathers that were here, when they got to the United States, they eventually got tired of the fact that there was a king that could just on a whim wake up one day and make up their mind to take something away from you which meant that you did not have rights, you did not have property. And we'll talk about why property is so very important too during this five-part series. Today's the primer. See, our Constitution had a separation of powers. You had Article 2, which established the executive branch, which is led by the President of the United States, which is supposed to limit his powers. However, what did Joe Biden do when he first came into office? He tore up all the executive orders that Donald Trump put in, and he started putting in his own executive orders, just as Donald Trump did the exact same thing to Obama's executive orders, just as Obama did the exact same thing to George W. Bush's executive orders, and so on and so on. See, ever since Abraham Lincoln American presidents, as Michael Bednarik points out in his book, found it more convenient to sign executive orders than to presume to make laws that apply to all American citizens. Now, if the president can just wake up one day and start writing an executive order and say, well, this is the way it's going to be. Um, we couldn't get this passed in Congress or Senate, so I'm going to use my executive powers. What makes them any different than the monarchy? than the king and queen, the dictator? What makes them any different than the power that was held over top of people by the monarchs? Nothing. Zero zilch nada. Joe Biden and all these other presidents have been legislating from their desk without going through the powers of the Constitution, meaning that all of your presidents have not upheld the oath to the Constitution. When they put their hand on the Bible and swore to do so, the fact that they've used executive orders the way that they've been using them has violated their pledge to the Constitution, their vow to uphold. Now, the Article 3 establishes the Supreme Court and the other courts. And so their job in the Supreme Court is to strike down federal laws that violate the Constitution. And so that is supposed to give us the whole checks and balances. But we also have people that have called for packing the courts to make it political. Or we have people that look at our judges and go, well, they clearly are a Trump judge. They're clearly an Obama judge. They're clearly a Bush judge, a Trump judge. And as a result, it has hurt the ability for Americans to trust the Supreme Court. It's why I support ethics and standards for our Supreme Court. And we continue to have the justices fluctuate up until 1870. That's right. For the first almost 100 years of our country, it fluctuated all over the place. But then we finally stabilized at nine. 
I don't believe that something that stood since 1870 should be tampered with at this point in time, despite what the Democrats would like to do. We also have more laws. The Supreme Court has also uh, reversed their interpretation of the Constitution on to make sure that they kind of backed Franklin D. Roosevelt. Because, see, Franklin D. Roosevelt wanted several uh, pieces of legislation to be passed during the Great Depression. And the Supreme Court kept saying, this is unconstitutional. And so FDR uh, was pretty upset. So he decided he was going to pack the court with a majority of liberal judges at that time. Sound familiar, Joe Biden? Elizabeth Warren? Kamala Harris? Sound like what a lot of your supporters are calling for? And so what ended up happening was the Supreme Court ruled that the Constitution would be friendly, friendly to Roosevelt's demands, the New Deal. And so Michael Bednarik, when he was speaking with me, he referred to the New Deal as the raw deal for America, the death of America in many ways. And so this is where Michael begins. He begins good to be king, letting you know, this is not about your political affiliation. This is not about whether or not you are more American than the person next to you. This is going to be about your feelings of what is self-evident, what is obvious to you. This is going to be about whether or not you believe that America should be a constitutional uh, state to live in. So we're going to take a break here. And when we come back, we're going to talk about rights versus privileges and hear those words directly from Michael Bednarik. All right, everybody, if you'd like to uh, support the show, you can go to americaembolden.com or you can go to buymeacoffee.com backslash bold America. You type that in, you can buy me a coffee that goes help support the work that I'm doing here to bring you great content day after day, Monday through Friday. Also, make sure you go over to americaoutloud.news and support all of our sponsors because they help keep the lights on at the network, which helps bring all my colleagues' work to you day after day on the America Out Loud Talk radio network, as well as through the website and beyond to the podcast networks. I'll be right back. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden here on the America Out Loud network. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. AmericaOutloud.news, delivering a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. Join us in the fight for liberty and justice for all. America Out Loud Talk Radio. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Cofix RX Nasal Solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. 
For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flus, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. Welcome back, Bald Americans. We're getting straight to rights versus privileges here in part one with what Michael Benarik would say is the most important concept to understanding all of the Constitution. If you do not understand rights versus privileges and what they are, then you cannot have a full grasp of understanding the rest of the concepts, parts two through five, or if you read his book, he puts this right at the beginning. Matter of fact, this is a spot of the book where he says, I could read this verbatim, I can reprint this verbatim, uh, because he feels it's that important for people to have this type of information. I'm not going to repeat everything verbatim, I'm actually going to use his words. So Michael Benark, tell us, what is a right? Define it and tell us what is a privilege and define it for us, please. A right is defined as a power, privilege, faculty, or demand inherent in one person and incident upon another. Generally defined as powers of free action. Something that you have the sovereign authority to do because there is no higher authority to get permission from. There's nobody to ask. You've heard the expression, the buck stops here. That means you're it. You make the final decisions. That's what sovereignty is all about. You are endowed by your creator with certain unalienable rights. You don't have to ask. Now, this is the exact opposite of a privilege. A privilege is defined as a particular and peculiar benefit or advantage enjoyed by a person, company, or class beyond the common advantages of other citizens. A particular right, advantage, exemption, power, franchise, or immunity held by a person or class not generally possessed by others. A temporary authority granted to you by someone of a higher authority. So Michael Bednarik would define a right as something you can do without asking for permission from somebody else. He would say that when you have dreams... No one can steal your dreams from you when you're not looking because your dreams are an inherent part of who you are. Of course, I'm not sure Michael would have foreseen where we're going with technology and the fact that maybe we will be able to steal people's dreams in the future. But for right now, it's inherently part of who we are. When we die, our dreams, our aspirations, they die alongside us. And so no one can deprive us of a right to life. If someone kills you, they are depriving you of life. And therefore, you have a right to life. This is actually one of Michael Bednarik's views on abortion as well as to why that's so important. Now, he has a story in his book about walking on land to demonstrate that all rights are derived from property 
Every right implies a responsibility to that individual, and the only imitation on your rights is the equal rights of others. But then I found this audio from his class on YouTube where he kind of explains this principle from the book, and I just like hearing his words, knowing he's not with us, but he's here through his lived teachings. If I walk out of the back door of my house and I walk out onto my land, I can walk back and forth, back and forth, back and forth across my land all day long. Do I have to ask anybody for permission? No. It is my land. I own the property. And because I own the property, I have a right to do anything I want with that property. And if I want to walk back and forth across it, I will. Now, let us presuppose that you have the property or the land right next door. Let us further presuppose that I want to walk to the store, which is just across your land. Can I walk back and forth, back and forth across your land anytime I want? No. I have to get permission. It is a privilege for me to walk across your land. Why? Because I don't own your land. You own your land. You have complete and total authority to do whatever you want with your land. Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, you may decide to let me walk across your land. We're next door neighbors, we're buddies, we go out, you know, you know, socializing together. So there's no reason that I shouldn't walk across your land. Yes, you may. On Thursday, you may wake up on the wrong side of the bed. You may have had a fight with your significant other. You may just be in a bad mood. You don't have to have a good reason. You just have to have a reason. And you can say, no, you may not walk across my land. You have to walk around. So walking across your land is a privilege granted to me by someone of higher authority, the owner of the property, you. That privilege can be revoked at any time. Yes, you may. No, you may not. Yes, you may. No, you may not. And I have no control over that. One of the fundamental problems in the United States is that the government has convinced us that we have certain privileges granted to us by the government. Excuse me, I have rights endowed to me by my creator. Where does the government get power? We, the people, grant the government privileges. The power comes from us and goes to government, not the other way around. Now, there are some important sublayer concepts with rights, one of which is that rights are derived from property. In my example, I can walk back and forth across my property because it's my property. I can do anything I want if I own it. So anytime you get into a dispute as to who's got the right to do this, that, or the other thing, the real question that should be asked is who owns the property? If you can identify the owner of the property, the question answers itself. The owner of the property can do whatever they want. All right. So the concept here between owning property and then as a result, you have a right 
versus not owning it and you have a privilege is very important because we fought a war over this. The American Revolution was about our right to own the land of the United States to break free from the king and to become our own sovereign nation. And that ownership of property is the most important distinction, as Michael Bednarik would say, between freedom and tyranny. John Adams, the 12th president, if you count George Washington as the 11th, he wrote, the moment the idea is admitted into society, that property is not as sacred as the law of God and that there is not a force of law and public justice to protect it, anarchy and tyranny commence. So you have a home and you're listening to this podcast, maybe. I don't know if you have a home, maybe you're running. But if you have a home, what do you really own? Do you own the land? Well, if you live in any state other than Texas, no, you do not. You're renting the land. You're renting the land and you own the structure that's on top of it. How do I know that you're renting it? Because you're paying property tax. So how can you actually own a piece of property if the property is taxed? Translation, you cannot. The only way you can do that is through a certain type of law that's only allowed in Texas. And that is very difficult to get. Uh, matter of fact, Michael Benarik for a while there, he was saying he was going to write a book on it. I'm not sure he ever fully did. I have to research that one. See, the problem is most of the problems in our country come down to people not understanding how absolutely critical private property is including your body autonomy. You know, my body, my choice, unless we all need to go get some vaccines, right? All of a sudden, a certain side of the political equation, they don't believe that statement. But it is, it's your body. You should be able to decide. Now, Michael Bednarik would say that because in the case of abortion, there was a child that was involved in all of this, that therefore the child also has a say, and because they can't speak for themselves, their life should be defended. Now, Theodore Roosevelt said, every man holds his property subject to the general right of the community to regulate its use to whatever degree the public welfare may require it. So, if you have your own piece of property, you can control what happens to it. Maybe you can put a fence up on it. Maybe put a shed, maybe put a pool in, unless you have an HOA and then maybe you can't do any of that stuff. But you should have the ability to regulate your property, who crosses it whenever you wish. Now, if you cannot do that, if you cannot start, you know, digging up your property, putting whatever you want there, then do you truly own it or are you just occupying it through the will of the majority? And so Michael Bernard would point out that you can't own a piece of property and control what happens to it if a community has a right to regulate that property whenever it wishes to. This is the problem with HOAs. The will of the majority can rule over the will of one individual, which brings us to our problem in 2023 in this entire conversation. It's also going to eventually get into republic versus democracy in a few moments. We'll get there. Maybe that will be part two. I may not have enough time to get to it today. I really want to get the rights versus privileges at this point in time. Now, if you ever have raised a child, I have two. And when they're really young and my, my one kid would have a toy and another kid would pick it up, the kid would see that and go, that's mine. 
That's my toy. Of course, we'd be like, well, share for now to keep peace in the household. But you know what? Nine times out of 10, the kid's absolutely right. That is that kid's toy. And as a result, that is that kid's property. And so a young child, a toddler understands property rights better than most adults in 2023. They don't all of a sudden go, you know what? Yeah, you can have it on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and I'll take it on Sunday, uh, Tuesday, Thursday, and then we'll just split it on, you know, uh, the day that is left over in the middle. You know, you get 50-50 share. No, that's not what they say. Matter of fact, if you take something, the other thing that they'll normally say is, no, you cannot have that. I do not approve. Right? It's a veto of you taking something that is not yours. And children understand ownership better than adults oftentimes do. They understand what is theirs and maybe they have a concept difference of what is yours. They may want that, uh, but we can teach them, teach them that they need permission in order to have a game for their Nintendo Switch that their sibling owns. And they were granted the privilege of getting to play with that game because the right and ownership is of the other sibling. Well, adults, they should understand this better than children do, but they don't. They don't understand that they don't really own the property the way they do. They don't understand that they don't have autonomous control of their property, especially if there is an HOA. You can't just drill for oil in your backyard. The county is going to come and ask for where's your permit. You can't just put a deck on the back of your house. The county is going to ask, where's your building permit? You can't even do something inside your house without the county going, oh, you build a basement? You finish that? Oh, yeah, we're going to need you to pay a little bit more property taxes. And you didn't get a permit. So we're going to need that, too. So the federal government is claiming a lot of land ownership in things that you may think that you own or even the things that the state thinks that they own. That's a whole other conversation. And the other way I would say is, you know, if you got a gift card for your birthday, my question to you is this. Do you have a gift card in the sense of it's just a plastic piece that represents a gift Or do you literally have a gift? Because here's the other part. If you uh, have an auto loan and the bank sends you a title to the car, do you get the title or do you get a certificate of title? See, the certificate of the title only represents the title of the car. Maybe you didn't know this. Michael Bednarik pointed out to me in our conversation and in his book that the dealer sends people what's called an MCO to a state agency that controls the registration of vehicles. And that MCO then gets microfilmed and shredded to make it more difficult for you to get the actual title, which is why you get certificates of title. So most people don't even own the certificate to their own vehicle that they're paying tens of thousands of dollars to. Property goes beyond your right to land. Property is about your source of right to life. Now, this is not about a religious standpoint when we talk about a right to life. This is about a right to everybody being created equally in order to be able to most perfectly express their liberty. 
And yes, Michael Bednarik knew well if you listened to our show last year. He talked about slavery. He talked about what a horrible, horrible thing that was for our country, for people to be treated with inequality, especially knowing that everybody deserved their inalienable rights. So you have to respect the body as property, just as you would respect the uh, control of the property that you have. And in other countries, Michael would point out, people don't have that right. Now, perhaps there's other individuals that want your rights. They want your property. Should they be able to take that right? What are the limitations of that for you? See, the idea behind libertarianism And the idea with Michael Bednarik would be the only limitation on your rights is the equal rights of other people. So your rights to your property, but you don't have rights to somebody else's property. So that brings me to the close for today before we get into why we need to have part two about individual rights and then get into democracy and a republic. Let's continue on this rights versus um whether it's a privilege. Do you have a right to health care? This is coming straight from Good to Be King, page 14. So many people believe they have a right to health care. There is even a presidential candidate who recently suggested a constitutional amendment guaranteeing that right. A right to health care suggests that you should be able to walk into a doctor's office and insist that she or he correct your illness for free or for significantly reduce cost. Would you be willing to do your job for free for anyone who steps in off the sidewalk? I sincerely doubt it. You'd be very busy and very, very poor. Why should your doctor provide services for free after spending all the time and money required to graduate from medical school? Don't worry, people tell me the government will pay the doctor's salary. Oh, really? And where does the government get the money to pay that doctor's salary? Oh, from taxes, of course. But for every $100 the government takes from my wallet, they keep $50. The HMO keeps $25 and the doctor gets what's left. Wouldn't it be easier and far more efficient for you to walk into my house and take $100 out of my wallet yourself? You'd be able to pay for even better treatment than you're getting right now. And there is, of course, one small problem with that plan. And he says, I am a strong Second Amendment supporter. If you come into my house and attempt to take money from my wallet, you will soon be going to the doctor for something far more serious than whatever you were suffering from in the first place. (laughs) Typical Michael Benark. I love that line. You should have learned this in grade school, but just in case you missed it, you do not have a right to other people's property, not even when the government takes it away from them and gives it to you. This is the basis for socialism. And that is exactly what the Constitution is intended to prevent. So as we conclude part one today of the foundation of constitutional freedom, I want to remind people we are on the precipice of being fully socialism, not following the constitution whatsoever. We have allowed government to grow way too large. And so now that you understand right versus privilege, you understand why the argument would be that there's not a right to healthcare because you got to reward the people that are going to be saving your life to get better health care, that in fact, it's because of 
uh, a right to healthcare that we actually have pretty crappy systems in place in other parts of the world. Uh, I have personally have had family members that were in areas of the world that had uh, universal healthcare and they had to wait for appointments and in waiting for their appointments, they weren't cared for properly and they died an early death as a result. We could get that here in the United States too, but I prefer to take my rights into my own hands and pay for healthcare myself. I prefer that we have a system in place to help one another because that's what the churches used to do too and charities. They used to help pay for the poorest of poor, but now everybody wants the government to give them a handout and do things. Look at COVID. Did you get your $600 stimulus check and the next $600 and the $1,300 for the children? Well, there are a lot of people that weren't working and maybe that helped them, but at the same time, it made you become indebted to your government. And it also made you listen to mandates, which gave you a privilege to live your life the way you wanted to instead of a right. All right, everybody, that's all for today. I'll be back tomorrow with part two of these episodes. Hope that you're enjoying them. As always, you can go over to buymeacoffee.com backslash Bold America. You can donate to help support this show. And make sure you're going over the Bednarik, B-A-D-N-A-R-I-K dot org and order this book if you don't have it. Good to be King, the foundation of our constitutional freedom. It is the work of which uh, is, I believe, the pentolate best work of everything that Michael Benark did. And I promise you, you will not be disappointed by reading this and ordering it. Uh, help honor his life by making that purchase today. I'll be back tomorrow, everyone. Enjoy the rest of your day. I hope that you're doing well and uh, with gratitude for you listening to all of this. You've been listening to American Bolden with Greg Bolden here on the America Out Loud Network. Be bold, America. <laughs>